0: Inside the Groove is a podcast which takes a song by Madonna every episode and dissects its creative process, examining the songwriting, the production and the recording. By playing you the demos, the studio sessions and isolated tracks, including Madonna's vocals, sometimes along with previously unheard takes, we explain how Madonna has been behind some of the biggest moments in pop history over the past 40 years. Donna Delory first worked with Madonna in 1987 as background dancer and singer on the Who's That Girl World Tour. She accompanied Madonna on pretty much all of her live appearances for the next 30 years, but she also sang in the studio. Express Yourself, Hanky panky, Rain, Nothing Really Matters, so many classic tracks. But she's also a singer and songwriter in her own right. This interview has been in the making for some weeks now, and it was so exciting to finally sit down with Donna and talk through her career, such as the time they first met.
1: So that was the first time she heard me sing, and then she said something really cute, like, well, will you sing on all my records then?
0: Also, what it's like to be in the studio with Madonna.
1: I mean, at that time for her, she was so prolific and... She just knew herself as an artist.
0: Getting to appear in the video for Vogue.
1: I got to be the maid and I loved that. And that was so much fun. Like, okay, walk in, pick up the jacket, shake it off, you know.
0: Becoming part of Madonna's entourage.
1: It was a whirlwind because I jumped in and I learned everything. And my life just took a different direction and started moving really fast.
0: And all that just in this very first episode. So, here we go, in all her glory. What's the story, Donna Delory? Donna DeLore, thank you so much for joining Inside the Groove. Very excited to have you here.
1: Oh, it's so great to be here with you on this rainy day here in the Santa Monica Mountains.
0: Well, I'm in Cardiff in the UK and it's rainy here as well. So, um... <laughs> How unusual. <laughs> indeed, indeed. But you, you've already brought some sunshine into my life. Oh, so, um... Yeah, thank you for joining Inside the Groove. So basically, the, um, the podcast is it's a sophisticated audience of Madonna fans who, who are very interested in songwriting, and we have some producers that listen as well. Obviously, we're big Madonna fans, um, but people are very keen to hear about experiences in the studio. So to have you here is, is fantastic because you've got an invaluable insight. But I also want to talk to you about your career as well. Um, mm-hmm. My understanding is that you actually had a very musical upbringing
1: Yes, my my father was a was raised to be a musician by his father. My grandfather played in the Warner Warner Brothers studio orchestra, so he played on all the films. He was on contract for like 30 years in Hollywood and he played on like Casablanca and Gone with the Wind, all these films that came out of Warner Brothers. Raised my dad to be a musician. So then my dad right before I was born was, you know, playing on all the Phil Spector stuff, um, Mm -hmm. all the big hits and then pet sounds for the beach boys. And then he went on to be a producer on Capitol records. So that's my early years were always, you know, around my dad in the studio and I was around a lot of musicians and, and I just like, my dad was successful producer.
0: So music was in your blood definitely. And did you, did you think, yeah, I'm going to be a singer or did you want to try and do something different?
1: It was always about being a singer. And, you know, when I was younger, I I danced and I did gymnastics and I used to watch the Olympics and wish I could be Nadia Comaneci or, you know, whoever, (laughs) but it wasn't, I wasn't not disciplined enough in that. And I didn't have the support from my family really to be a gymnast and take that road, but they were, I mean, I grew up in music, so it was always around. It was natural. I started bugging my dad when I was about 13 14, Mm -hmm. especially saying, dad, why don't you produce me? And my dad was at that time writing with a lot of different songwriters, but more kind of more adult contemporary kind of slash country kind of songs. And, Mm -hmm. and I was really into rock and I was into like Pat Benatar and, and I had been influenced by heart and um, all kinds of like, you know, Linda Ronstadt, of course, female, more pop rock singers So my dad tried to get into my, we tried to find a style for me, but I Mm -hmm. think unfortunately because they were his songs and his kind of more from his generation, it didn't quite match with me and who I was.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So, but we put my demos out. My dad would like send them to record companies and things and, and they would always say, Oh, she's really cute. And she's got a great voice. And, but it was, it's always about when you're that young like that. I mean, it's really, it's about your material. If you don't mm-hmm. write, you have to have somebody great writing for you. So we moved to Nashville and then I got more into like country and gospel. We tried to find songwriters to write for me and do their material. And then it was like full-on country. Mm-hmm. And that was when I was around 16. Um, we loved it there. Like I said, my dad was we we were well received there. So, I was finishing high school there, but I was hanging out in the music business during the day. I would go hang out at writers' houses and record companies and um, just studios. And I was like this LA kid that just hung <laughs> around. I'd go from door to door and meet, I just wanted to meet everyone. And everyone knew that I wanted to be a singer. And I was just trying to get a break. But I was so young, I think they were just like, oh, yeah, just hang out, you know, you've got time kind of thing. I ended up going back to L.A. after that because I couldn't quite fit into the country mold at that time.
0: So talking of songwriters and demos, um, at some point, that's when you were, I think you were dating Gardner Cole, who, of course, wrote the demo that went to Madonna, which you sang on. And that was for Open Your Heart. Is that right? That's right.
1: Yeah. He was my my boyfriend that I met at a session. I was singing another demo and he was doing the keyboards. And, you know, we just started hanging out and Mm -hmm. he was writing with a lot of people because he was an artist on Warner Brothers at the time
2: Mm -hmm. and then
1: I just remember he's he's talking about this song he wrote I mean I was there when I don't know if I was in the room when they were writing or in the house but I remember him playing it for me and he initially sung the vocal Mm -hmm. and then also the other writer Peter Ravelson sung a vocal I believe a demo
0: we we spoke to Peter um when we covered Open Your Heart he's He's an interesting character.
1: Isn't he? <laughs> I love Peter.
0: <laughs> he's He's got some great stories. And yeah, we, he played his his version. But um, I mean, no one's heard your version. It's probably locked away in a vault. But that's that somehow yeah. made it through to Pat Leonard, I believe. And that's how the Madonna connection came about.
1: Exactly. I remember, you know, Gardner used to joke with me because I got paid $50, I think, to do that demo. <laughs> and by the publisher, right? So he used to joke with me that because I sang the demo and it had a female vocal on it, we changed some things too. I mean, he was, Gardner knew exactly what he wanted and there was a melody for the song, but there were some things that I did different. And he just always joked around that was the best $50 he ever spent because then (laughs) she did it. You know, she could hear her voice on it. Uh, We have, obviously everybody knows we have a similar kind of timbre. uh, Certain, we're so different in our, uh, with our interpretations of songs, but that's why we blend so well together. So that was a blessing for me. I didn't mind. I was like, yeah, whatever. I'm going to just keep going, doing music. And I knew that wasn't my song, although I mm-hmm. loved, I did have it on my demo tape while I was shopping for a deal at that time. And I loved this song, but Pat Leonard heard it and then called me in to sing on, I think on another, like a Jody Watley song. Mm-hmm. So I sing on her record, and then he was just everyone he would produ- he would produce i was his new favorite singer and he'd have me come in and sing with fee Wable from the tubes carly mm-hmm. simon uh, richard wow. marks ray parker junior like so many artists and i was and i remember i'd been really struggling and that mm-hmm. was a huge break for me for me i would hang out at his house where his studio was played with his kid and you know it was a big break I still didn't like stop my day job and everything, but then he started working on that tour. So I, I was I was really like in his face about like get me on that tour, <laughs> the who's that girl tour and and he's always been a fan of mine and we've worked together on many records. Over
0: so tell years. me how you first met Madonna because I've heard a story about how it was at rehearsals for the tour. Is that right?
1: Well, it was an audition.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so. It's a super long story. I'll make short, but. um, No,
0: no, take your time.
1: Oh, really? Okay. (laughs) So it was a hot summer day and I was living in the (laughs) valley in this really cheap little apartment with like a little wall unit air conditioner that didn't even work. So just the fan worked. I'm Mm -hmm. sitting there like sweating and, and the phone rings and it's Pat. And after all of that, like me bugging him about like, get me in there. You know, he's like, no, she already hired the girls. It's all done. He says, what are you doing? (laughs) I love that when someone calls you like that. What are you doing? I'm like, nothing. (laughs) So he said, well, would you be available to come to uh, the rehearsal hall and and meet Madonna and come, you know, we need to replace a girl. He didn't Mm -hmm. give me much information, but I did get the part about meeting Madonna and singing for her, singing with her Mm -hmm. and the band. So I was like, cool. He's like, I'll call you back in a couple hours. So I'm waiting around. You know, I'm like sweating, dripping in this (laughs) apartment. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to get it together. So I started like calling my friend who was a makeup artist. I started getting everything hooked up. I picked out my clothes and I'm like, okay, this is great. This is all done. This is going to be amazing. Pat's totally supportive of me. He calls me back and he's like, no, they decided they want to do a big audition. So (laughs) you're going to come audition. So I was like, okay, I got this. I got this. I had a really good feeling about it, you know, Mm -hmm because i had sung along with her records and i knew how i knew how great we sounded together mm-hmm. from my car <laughs> <you> know, just <laughs> singing along i'm sure some of you guys out there know how good you sound singing along with her too
2: oh it's the right? best <laughs> okay so yeah. Yeah.
1: so this was for real so i got all ready i had this like spanish look and everything my hair was black i was really into red lipstick and i did like really light skin And I wanted to be really contrasting her and look. Mm -hmm. And I just remember this kind of Spanish, kind of almost piratey looking look I picked out for myself. So I went to the audition. All these singers were there that I knew in LA. And we go up to this loft and it's looking over the rehearsal stage where all the musicians Mm -hmm. are and everything. I think when we walked in, when I walked in, they were playing or something. So they ushered me up to the loft we're waiting up there for a long time. And then I'm, I'm of, of course, I'm like looking for Madonna. I've never met her before. Who knows what she looked like because she changed <laughs> her look all the time. So I'm looking over and I'm like, I don't see her. This is weird. But I see this like little person in a suit, like <laughs> short hair, glasses. And I'm like, no, that's not her. And then I heard her voice. And she's like, come on, everybody, let's go. Let's get this going. And and I realized Oh my god, that's her! That's crazy. So they started bringing us up in threes, groups of threes, and and we were singing the bridge to La Isla Bonita, mm-hmm. and it was like this unison part, which is the hardest to sing with people you've never sung with.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it was like ah ah, ah ah La Isla Bonita that part, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking like our group for whatever reason was not on the notes. And I was just like, oh no. So then Pat steps in and says, oh, I have an idea, Donna and Madonna, you guys just sing together. Mm-hmm. You sing the bridge, the um, I want to be where the sun warms the sky, that part.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: I knew the song really well, thank God. And I guess she was turned her back to me and we were, the band started playing and I started singing with her. And she, without turning around to see me, she stops everybody and she was like, why aren't you singing? And then the (laughs) famous line was that Pat was like, she was singing. Madonna, you guys blend perfectly together. Wow. So that was the first time she heard me sing and then she said something really cute like, well, will you sing on all my records then? And then I... kept auditioning day after day until i got it finally
0: wow what a fantastic story and of course you were you were pretty young at the time and you got to travel the world that must have been quite an experience
1: oh my gosh it was so crazy i'll never forget like looking out the window of the private plane and i had my like my sony walkman with a cd (laughs) in it and my whatever headphones you know plugged in just listening (laughs) to the music and taking off and looking out that window of the private plane, just like, whoa. I mean, it was a whirlwind because I jumped in and I learned everything and my life just took a different direction and started moving really fast. And all of a sudden I was, you know, I was hanging out with Madonna and getting ready to go to Japan. And it was incredible looking back on it. It was just, it was a perfect experience for that time for me. And yeah. I loved it. I feel like I soaked in every moment, you know, I wish, I really wish I would have written down more, like really kept a diary. Yeah. That would have been amazing, but oh well. Well,
0: you're sharing the story now and I can assure you there's a very interested audience (laughs) in what you've got to say.
1: Um, Yeah.
0: But I'm really keen to know, so when did you actually record with Madonna? Because I'm assuming that would have been for the Like a Prayer album, probably about a year later. Is that right?
1: There might have been something before that for, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I don't know. I mean, we have to look at the dates and everything, but Mm -hmm. there might've been something before that, but definitely that album, I remember we were called in for that. And all I can say is every album that I've sung on of hers, you show up to the studio and the first thing they do is play you the track. You know, this was very, they play you the track. She kind of sings her ideas and every time I heard her track coming in, I was blown away by whatever yeah. it was. And they were always really different. And even on, on that album, the songs that we sung on were so different from each other. And it was so much fun. Yeah, we had a great time. And layering vocals, you know, we never, some people have a budget where you could only do like two parts or three parts, but we didn't have that problem we could do as many as we wanted and we got paid well for it and it was just it was amazing working with her in the studio her collaboration with pat yeah was just they were both so strong music it's
0: it's quite an interesting point in her career because as i understand it she was actually appearing on broadway at the time and then flying back to la Mm-hmm. to record at Pat's studio with with you guys. There was so much going on in her life. And it's really interesting to hear you say that you even when you heard those songs, you knew they were going to be big.
1: I mean, at that time for her, she was so prolific and she just knew herself as an artist, you know, and she'd become a great songwriter by that point. And then she was really delving into personal stuff. And I'd known her, I'd had the chance to know her better, you know, Socially, and just us all hanging out. So I knew what was going on in her life and and it was just so beautiful that she could tap into that and channel you know everything she was going through into her music. And it was just it was awesome. I mean, she was so open, you know, Pat is a genius. You know, he was a child prodigy. His musical vocabulary is so vast and and the fact that she could trust him. With taking her in different directions musically, that was brilliant.
0: It's okay. really interesting what you say about him being very prolific because of course the next big project you worked on with Madonna was the the Dick Tracy soundtrack, the oh, The am yeah. Breathless album. And that must have been really liberating, both for Madonna and for you to do something really different. Um, and of course you did a lot of those that singing with Nikki and Indian Davenport as well. Have you got any specific memories about recording songs like Hanky Panky or, you know, the tracks that went onto that album?
1: Well, it was really, you know, I'd grown up listening to music like that and like Andrew Sisters and my mom was, that was my mom's era. You know, my mom Mm -hmm. wanted to be a singer and dancer and everything. And um, I just honestly, like, I just kept thinking about my mom and how much she loved that music. And she wasn't, she had passed when I was young, but I I feel like I was so excited to do a new style of Mm -hmm. music And we were doing, we were like using our voices, doing like horn parts, (laughs) you know, and more percussive. I remember trying to get those rhythms Mm -hmm. and it was, it was a challenge for us, but oh my God, it was, they came out so great. It's the same thing. It's something about when you work with Madonna, you're so in the moment because she's so focused and she's always reminding you and everybody that like time is money here. We've (laughs) got to get. You know, stay focused. And sometimes Nikki and I have a habit of starting to crack up, and we can't stop laughing
2: mm-hmm. when
1: we're recording. Because we, they're more serious, they would be in the control room. We would just sometimes start laughing. <laughs> we wanted to have fun, you know. So we we layered those parts, and, and we would just, sometimes we suggest, "Oh, let's try this harmony." And one part would like inspire another part, and. And once again, like I said, we didn't have any limitations of doing layers and, mm-hmm. and experimenting, you know? So I feel like we really got to put in our two cents if we had an idea that was really respected and welcomed. And it was just a great Great match, all of us working together in the studio. Yeah,
0: in, in, indeed. It's it's a fan favorite, and it's not one that gets talked about very much. But, um, you know, I know the fans of the podcast are very interested in it. And that whole period, because the next big thing that you did with Madonna um, was you actually performed Express Yourself at the MTV VMAs. And, and that was you had to learn a, a, an entire dance routine. That must have been taking you out of your comfort zone, perhaps.
1: Well, I think we've we been dancing in the clubs and just hanging out. Mm-hmm. And we'd picked up some of those moves. I don't know the exact order of it, but, you know, with the voguing and everything.
0: You been you were doing some moves that are then later incorporated into the Vogue video in, in that performance.
1: Definitely. There was that, and then there was also, like, we just picked up moves being out in the clubs. It was just like like the running man, <laughs> you know, or whatever we were doing, the Robocop, whatever those moves were. We did them in the clubs, and they were fun, and we knew we could all do them together. And I think it, that when we were we were rehearsing and putting the number together, We were saying, oh, let's put this in there. How about that? Um, And it just, it was really, it was so much fun. It was the ultimate girl power. You know, we had that sisterly kind of, what's the word? Just the way we related to one another.
0: Yeah. And it came across on screen as well. It's really strong.
1: Yeah. And we were like, I mean, she was the pack leader and we were (laughs) like, yeah. You know, I mean, this is a really funny story. I had had this other boyfriend that broke up with me, totally broke my heart, really bad. I mean, I was in England for the first time with him, and he was working on a record. He basically sent me home, mm-hmm. broke up with me, sent me home. So months later, just imagine I'm in a dance club with Madonna, hanging out in, in the, wherever it was downtown, and we see him in the club. Mm-hmm. It was the ultimate <laughs> to be like there, and then I'm standing right next to Madonna and to see this guy, I mean, talk about female empowerment. just, <laughs> just empowerment of your strong friend and attitude. and um, I thought people would get a kick out of hearing that, but I definitely yeah. had moved on, but it didn't it didn't hurt to have, you know, and Nikki was there too, and all everyone else, you know, but we just definitely had we were a force. And it was just a really fun time.
0: Well, it's really interesting. And obviously to to incorporate Vogue into what we're going to talk about, because um, I think you actually flew to New York to record that. I don't know if you've got any recollection. It's such a long time ago, but do you remember doing the backing vocals for Vogue at all?
1: I do. I thought that one for some reason was in LA, but maybe I'm wrong. And I know India, Davenport was on it, Nikki and I. Yeah.
0: The thing with Vogue though, of course, you you were actually in the video as well. And that must've been, that must've been amazing.
1: It was, it was crazy. And I'd really, I'd never done a video like that, like been on the set and I didn't know what was involved, you know, I didn't Mm -hmm. realize that like, you just go there and hang out and you're there until they call you and you're ready. I mean, you gotta just be camera ready. And I was really psyched because, well, they had so many shots on the board that they needed mm-hmm. to do, but you never knew when yours was coming up. And I got to be the the maid. I maid. call it the yeah. French maid, but <laughs> I don't know if it's a French maid, but I got to be the maid and I loved that. And that was so much fun. Like, okay, walk in, pick up the jacket, shake it off. You know, it was super fun, something different. And then of course, Nikki and I got to do our shots. Um, we did a lot of shots. We were even the hands over, I think over Madonna's face at one point we were doing like the hands over her face and, and it was so, it was so masterful. I mean, the, I forgot the guy's name who was the lighting director, but I knew he was the best. And he gave me this advice. He goes, he showed me the position of my chin with the, Mm -hmm. in relationship to the lights. And he pushed my chin up and he said, 10 years younger. Like if you keep your chin that much up, when there's a light, you will, he just was teaching me some of my own, you know, some good information Mm -hmm. to have as you get older (laughs) about light and feeling the light and everything. And that you as the subject and like, you're kind of like in charge of that. And that's how, the more you work, you realize how to work lights and what's your best angle and all that. But, um, but he, they shot some great shots of us and singing the backgrounds. And of course we appreciated being featured that way. That was mm-hmm. really nice because it it drew more attention to the background parts, yeah, and people could sing along more. It was
0: really sweet. So, of course, you then got to take part in the Blonde Ambition tour, um, mm-hmm. which really was sort of groundbreaking. People still talk about it now, um, and I'm I'm really intrigued to know how you got involved with that. Did you kind of workshop the songs, or did you join at a point where they were already formed and the performances were? were already sort of set in stone.
1: Got to really think about this. You know, we were all like, we'd be in dance rehearsal during the day and then we'd move over to band rehearsal. And so the Mm -hmm. band will have been like starting out the arrangements and everything, but we'd be with Madonna and then we'd all come over. Mm -hmm. Maybe she'd on breaks go in there and hear what they were doing. So the musical director really started the arrangement based on her notes and what she wanted. But a lot of stuff went on when we were just playing it and- And we would say, how about try this there? And, Mm -hmm. you know, so there was, it was crafting, you know, it's like you're, it's when you have that many players too, Mm -hmm. there's so much you could do. There's so many places you can go with the music and her music is so versatile anyway.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. And then it would go along with, we had to adjust it for like the theatrical bits and everything. So then that was a whole nother stage you get on the sound stage with all the lights and all the production. And then you you end up redoing some of the arrangements too, to that. Mm -hmm. But it's a really long process. So much work people don't know goes into it.
0: You know, I'm really fascinated to know when you're on stage, when you're actually performing in front of an audience, and I don't know, there are 60,000 screaming fans, you've got a band around you, you've got dancers. What can you hear? Presumably you've got monitors that you can hear yourself.
1: Yeah. In the beginning there were monitors like floor monitors, and we'd have them pointing mm-hmm. up towards us, which is really hard. And mm-hmm. sometimes you get to a new city and you you do sound check and everything's fine. and during the show, it's like blasting. Like maybe one person's voice is blasting out of it, or a horn mm-hmm. comes through really loud, and one time I got my eardrum bruised or something, mm-hmm. I remember. And after that, I was really like, okay, I'm really gonna take care of my hearing. So mm-hmm. at that point, before we really got the ear monitors, I started using earplugs like, yeah. because I'd gotten my ears um, – I'd just gotten them blasted a couple times, and I thought, I have a long career ahead of me. I don't want to ruin my hearing. So that was really challenging to dance and have like earplugs in. Or maybe I'd just have one in on one side so I could hear myself. And we were dancing around the stage without – I mean, that was crazy, mm-hmm. without ear monitors, um, and then things evolved, you know, with production mm. and that we started using ear monitors. And in that case, you know, you got these side fills going on stage with so much sound coming out.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I really ended up having like drums. I wanted the live drummer in my ears and Madonna's voice, a little bit of the other singer mm-hmm. and maybe one keyboard part. Like I would keep it so simple. And of course my yeah. voice. So I could yeah. hear myself. And and I love to like I would love to pull them out so I could hear the audience a lot. So I kind <laughs> of found that balance between the inner ears, but I I wanted to hear people too.
0: Because I don't think a lot of people appreciate um it's a real skill to um to be able to sing, to keep tune, um, whilst dancing mm-hmm. and some big performers you know, have a difficulty with that. You must've been really stressed sometimes to be sort of doing those massive dance routines and trying to stay in tune, etc.
1: Well, the thing is we were all in the same boat. So we were all doing mm-hmm. the same moves. And so there was so much understanding there, you know, mm-hmm. if we happen to be at a place where it was a high altitude, there might be one person who's just needing more air just because like, they just have a harder time with an altitude Mm-hmm. or something like that, or maybe someone has a cold. So it's different, but we all were kind of in the same place with that. And we all knew that it was it was challenging. So you had to train a lot. We used to get on life cycles, like the stationary bike and sing and bike at the same time. Wow. <laughs> and the rehearsals are like, it's a training. You're an athlete and you're training. So mm-hmm. a few months down the road, like you've gotten up your stamina and you're ready. But it's really just dealing with the conditions when you get to a venue, maybe extreme heat. Or we might be inside like um, Bercy in Paris mm-hmm. where everyone's smoking. <laughs> and at first we thought it was like all the smoke, the smoke machine and the fog machine and everything. But it, no, it was like the audience smoking.
0: <laughs> wow.
1: So that was like, whoa. And you just don't know. Until, and you feel like you're, you can't drink enough tea. You're just like, <laughs> you know, my throat is so dry. <laughs> but, you, you know, adrenaline, you know, takes you pretty far. Yeah. So when you, even if you have a cold and everything, just feeling that adrenaline, it was all, you, we got it from the audience. I mean, to look out and see people so happy. Yeah. And they were like pinching themselves. They couldn't believe they were there. Um, That was just like ecstatic. I mean, it makes you, how could you not, even if you haven't slept and you have a cold and how could you not get the energy to do that? <laughs> you know, it's... Of course. It was like yeah. mir- miracles were happening all over the place. You know, dancers were getting hurt and they could still dance.
0: Around this time, I think you started recording your own solo material.
1: Yeah, 92 and 93. I had been in a band. I always, you know, I loved Fleetwood Mac. I loved groups. And I that was really a big dream is to be in a band. And I had a band then I started touring with Madonna and I just went, I had to leave my band. And I just ended up meeting a lot of producers and people that really also encouraged me to be an artist, to be a solo artist. So at that time, I had collected a lot of songs that either I sung demos, I'd just been collecting songs. I started adding up all these songs. I took a couple songs from the band I was in and everything. And then Madonna gave me a song called Just mm-hmm. a Dream and that was gonna be on like a prayer, but it didn't, she had too many songs. And mm-hmm. she thought, I think at the fast tempo was a lot like Till Death us Part. Yeah. So didn't work on the album, but she thought of me and gave it to me. And that, was, that became part of my pile of songs, you know, but it was a very special song because of course, when I was going into the record company and they found out that I had that song, they were like, okay, this is, def- you're definitely gonna have a number <laughs> one hit. That was in, I signed my deal in like 91, and then I was, they were like, hurry up and do your record before all the executives get let go, you know, that's (laughs) the way it was then with these huge companies. The turnover was so frequent. So I remember I had to just like get it together quick. I had that song, I had the rest of the, most of the songs that were on my first album. Then they tried to do a third single for whatever. It didn't stick for them because they were looking Mm -hmm. for the really big success, and I had I couldn't really build as an artist. I had to come out like first album had to have these big hits. I, they expected me to be like at Madonna's level on my first album
2: Mm.
1: and walked away from that whole deal. Uh, I finally got out of my deal and, and we went our own ways, but I just like put that record behind me. I put all of that behind me. I never, like when I played with a band in the future, I never did any of those songs it's kind of amazing now that I think about it because that was a big part of my life.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: that song, I always loved that song. Like, why would I stop yeah. singing it? So I think I needed to, uh, in some ways, I felt like it was a failure, I think, it at, um, at least in that first record. I didn't realize because I didn't get to tour how mm-hmm. many people got that first record and loved it. So, over the years on social media, I got so many comments of people saying, Why can't we get your first album digitally? You know, Mm -hmm. because the record company never put it up. And I think I heard that it burned in a vault or whatever, the masters. Anyway, so I was like, Over the years, I'm thinking, Oh, should I just put it out anyway? You know, I have a copy Mm -hmm. and just whatever, let them come after me. (laughs) But I decided to not do that. I thought, Well, I'll just cover it one day. So now mm-hmm. it's one day, and I finally sat down with my musicians and, and worked out an arrangement that I thought like it fits more in with my music and my style now, and I wanted to do something different. I wanted to slow it down, um, just give it a groovy feel, and that's the, the main version of the single. And then there's a remix that's kind of ambient, chill kind of thing, and then there's another kind of disco mix by Bright Light, Bright Light. It's
2: just a dream. Did I feel your devotion? Dreams are never what they see. Did we
0: just go through the motion? Emotion. He's a great guy, and he's been on the show as well. And of course, you you got to work with him last year or maybe the year before on a chat with Nikki.
1: Yeah, isn't that great? He came to us and um, our uh, man who I work with named Scott Janish from Borderline Music. He has an online music store. He helps me with a lot of my fulfilling orders and product and everything. Mm -hmm. He had had the idea to work with him. It's like, you guys should all work together. So I think he may have reached out and made that connection happen. And then Bright Light, Bright Light said, you know, I'd love to have both you guys on the single. So he Mm -hmm. sent me the song. I loved it. He showed me the parts, and then I was like, oh, I, I just thought of another part we can add to it. And he's a great musician, really great yeah. artist. When we were in New York doing our show in Brooklyn, Nikki and I, um, Songs and Stories, we recorded at our rehearsal. He came in with his laptop. He knew exactly what he wanted. We, he brought headphones. We all just like recorded. We had exactly an hour to do these vocals because mm-hmm. <laughs> Nikki's mm-hmm. like, we got to get to dinner. And we had a mm-hmm. show the next day. So it was just like boom, boom, boom. And then he made this great record and used our vocal parts in a really great way. So he felt like, you know, we did a big favor for him on that. And then he was like, oh, I'll do a remix for you for Just a Dream. And then I asked him to sing on it. I was like, will you sing on it. And I love yeah, his voice.
0: It's, it's fantastic. And it's a really nice tie up because he's a big fan of the Erotica album. Mm-hmm. By Madonna, I think that's kind of the inspiration of of the "In My House" song that he did, um, which brings me neatly to to you going to New York to work on Erotica. <laughs> Sorry, guys, we have to hold it there. That's only half of the conversation I have with Donna, and I'm going to share it with you in the next episode, where we discuss what Donna thought of working with Shep Petsbone, her experiences on The Girly Show, what she thought of the transformation in Madonna's voice for the Evita training, Ray of Light, Drown World, and all the way up through to the last time she saw Madonna just over a year ago. Also, we discuss the upcoming Madonna biopic, and what she thinks about the possibility of getting back on the road with Madonna one day. If you can't wait and want to hear that second episode straight away, then all you need to do is become a patron of the podcast. Just head to patron.podbean.com forward slash Inside the Groove. For a monthly donation, you not only get access to much more content, including the second part of this interview, but it's also a way for you to let me know what you think of the work that I put into Inside the Groove. But for now, thank you for listening and stay safe.